Welcome back to Inside the Park from Bowser Park. I'm Jonathan Liskov, and for the sixth episode of my podcast, I had the chance to speak with Tim Crowley, a student at Hofstra University who is already entrenched in the sports industry and is on a path very similar to mine. He spent some time working in the Cape Cod Baseball League, is a part of the women's basketball team at his school, and is also the co-host of two podcasts himself. He was such a fun person to talk to, and I'm excited to have the chance to hopefully catch a game with him in the future. I told him after the conversation it felt like me interviewing me, which is the best feeling for a podcast. I hope you enjoy the conversation between Tim and I. Today I'm joined by Tim Crowley, a student at Hofstra University who has some already some great experience in the sports industry, uh, and I'm super happy to get to talk to you today, Tim. Tim, thank you for joining me. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So I think that um, we are on similar tracks. We have similar interests and are doing similar things. So I'm super excited to kind of pick your brain a little bit today and see uh, what you can give me as far as advice and a little bit of uh uh, look into what you've been doing and uh, hopefully take some things out of this today. Yeah, totally. So you, I'm going to start just because uh, this is for my podcast. I'm going to start talking a little bit just about your podcast. You have two podcasts you've been working on, one uh, baseball related, the other football related. And I think that that's uh, super admirable. I know that uh, I have had a good time working with this podcast, but uh, can you just tell me and kind of the viewers just a little bit about those podcasts and then uh, some of the skills that you've taken away from that so far? Yeah, totally. So I had a, I actually started a, um, a friend of mine and started a podcast with me during my junior year of high school. And that's how the the, the podcast seeds were planted. So we, we did that one for about 10 episodes in high school and then, you know, senior year, you get busy with college applications and, and getting ready to graduate. So we kind of put that on the back burner. And I knew when I got to school, wherever that was going to be, that I wanted to get back into podcasting. And luckily, Hofstra's given me the chance to do that uh, through our platform called Required Radio and our podcast network. So in that time, I've been able to start two. Uh, the first one being the Hard 90 podcast, uh, as you mentioned, that starts around baseball. We started that last November. And that's just been an incredible time so far and, you know, just so many stories to cover considering, you know, thinking back to the first week that we did that show is when the Houston Astros scandal broke. So it's just been, you know, nonstop issues to talk about between that and obviously over the summer before the season started, the negotiations between the Players Association and the owners that we were able to talk about. And then we just had an incredible number of guests that we've been able to have on and, and pick their brain just as you've been able to do with this show, you know, we've had incredible guests, you know, Kevin Burkhardt from Fox Sports, uh, Dan Shulman, who used to be the voice of Sunday Night Baseball. We most recently had Trisha Whitaker, who is a reporter with the Tampa Bay Rays. And we've even been able to go international. We just had the uh, the manager of the Sydney Blue Sox of the Australian Baseball League to come on and talk about his uh, most recent signing in Manny Ramirez uh, for our Boston listeners, who's going to be playing down in the Australian League. So the Hard 90 podcast has just been so much fun. Obviously, yeah, I've been a baseball guy my entire life. It's the center of my life. So to have been able to, to put together a platform like this has been truly awesome. And we also hit episode 50 in January, which is going to be fun. As for Touchdown Talk, that started a little bit later. Our first episode was in late January of this year. And that's been fun to do as well. You know, we've had some cool guests on there. We had, you know, former Patriot Ellis Hobbs, who was part of that undefeated team for the Patriots in 2007. 
And during the season, you know, it's been pretty, it's been pretty fast. You know, we, we have a lot to re- recap from the week before, you know, we're previewing games for the week coming. So that's been a lot of fun. And to watch the shift that we've had to have in terms of producing this, because when we're on campus, obviously we have a, we have a studio that we're able to go into record professional equipment, you know, the whole nine yards. Well, when COVID hit, we didn't really know how that was going to go, you know, we don't have any equipment at home. What are we going to do? And luckily this is where Zoom has like for pretty much any other outlet uh, in, in terms of getting a job, you know, has had a huge impact on people. And we've been able to do this now. And, you know, I, I intend on using Zoom moving forward as well. I know some people are just totally ready to delete it off their computer entirely. But I remember the first interview I did for one of my podcasts at school. You know, I didn't really know how to hook my phone up to, you know, the equipment to record. So I basically was just asking questions and then holding my phone up to a microphone. Now, you know, I can pre-record them. I can pre-record interviews on Zoom knowing that, you know, it's not going to sound as bad and then just edit it in uh, to the show that we'll record in the studio later. So it's been a lot of fun and to kind of watch the evolution of having to do it from the studio back home on Zoom due to COVID has, uh, has definitely taught me a lot, but it's a skill I'm happy to have now. It sounds like your podcasts are going very well, and I know that once you start to get those interviews and those guests that uh, you're interviewing and listening, and it's just you're wowed by their answers, it starts to be an experience that you want to just con- continue to do. That's why, um, as I've started to do these interviews, I just want to keep finding more people to to ask questions and just listen because it is so interesting to hear people's answers, and when you get those uh, those people who you're really interested in, like. You mentioned the manager of Manny Ramirez, this Australian baseball team. I'm sure that just listening to him talk was probably fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was cool, uh, especially you know to to hear about the you know the later part of a career of a guy that you know a lot of us growing up around this area grew up idolizing, and you know to hear about him still being able to to put a couple out of the park at age 48 is just truly remarkable. But yeah, I mean you're you're learning, you know, you're you're starting to know with your podcast as well as I know that. You know, you get a couple of guests, and it, it fuels the fire. And you, you just want to, you, you just want to learn from as many voices as you can. And that's what's been so great about the show is, you know, it, it, there's always going to be people that you know might not get back to you. You know, you might get a couple of notes here and there. But you know, there's a lot of people in this industry, and whether it's whether it's broadcasting like myself, whether it's sports business like you guys at Babson, you know, there's there's always people that are there to help you learn. They want to see you grow in your field, and it's just finding you know, those yeses out there. And, you know, it's it's the context, it's the stories, it's just everything that's been able to come from these, from these podcasts has just been absolutely incredible. And I'm, and I'm so blessed to, to think about what's come from these in the first year. And, and I can only imagine what's, what's ahead for these shows moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get uh, take a small shift. You mentioned it and we mentioned it briefly that you're in Ho- at Hofstra University right now. And uh, you're doing some great things up there with the women's basketball team, as well as you mentioned your podcast we just talked about. Um, so my first question to you about Hofstra is, what drew you to that school from Massachusetts, and what have been a couple of things that you've enjoyed the most about your time at school? So when I applied to school, I had five schools that I applied to. I applied to Quinnipiac in Connecticut, obviously Hofstra, in addition to UMass Amherst, Emerson College in Boston, and Syracuse, which is obviously, you know, the – the top of communication school and it's at schools and it's at the top of everyone's list when they apply. And, you know, I visited Syracuse, I visited Emerson that are obviously incredible communication schools, but 
the whole time Hofstra was kind of, you know, my sleeper pick, my underdog. I had a friend of mine that I did a lot of work with in high school through our TV program, and he ended up going to Hofstra. So that was, you know, what kind of I first heard about it. And I ended up going down to visit there in the spring of my senior year. There was something different. You, know, It's not as big as Syracuse. You don't feel like you're – and nothing against them, but it, you, don't, you don't feel like you're getting lost on this massive campus. You know, it's a, it's a nice proximity to New York City, so you're going to be in a top media market, and you're going to learn what it's like to, to have to operate in a, in a city like New York. Um, and there was just a different feel. You know, I, I stepped on campus, and, and I felt something different that I didn't feel at those other schools, and, and that kind of led me to – to pursue Hofstra and you know I was accepted and you know, I, I remember the day that I put down that first deposit I'm like all right here we go and you know it's been it's been a great journey since then Hofstra is an incredible community with awesome people and you know I, I've come to to love my time on Long Island you know I'm, I'm very excited to go back you know when I do get back in January it's going to be about 10 months since I've been but very much looking forward to that but my time at Hofstra has been very rewarding so far. That's awesome, and I'm happy that you found a spot that fits you well. Being close to New York City was something that I was interested in, uh, just because I really like that area. I'm a big Yankees fan, so something that I was interested in. But uh, have have you been, spent a lot of time in New York City? Like, have you you have you guys, your friends, ever take trips to New York City from Hofstra? You know, we'll go here and there. Um, I, I've become the person that like if I if I have like a motive to go and study, I'm in and out. But I also, you know, you, you got to enjoy your time there. You know, you look, you get to, you know, you get off that train at Penn Station, you just get out and look around. And, and you know, I know what I like to do in the city. I know what I don't like to do in the city. But, you know, it, it's always a spectacle to, to go into New York and, and get to take in everything that is, you know, one of the greatest cities on the planet. And, you know, I think our big thing, you know, we definitely spend more time, you know, probably at the ballpark. Uh, than what normal people are doing in the city, whether that's getting pizza or taking pictures in Times Square. No, me and my friends are freaks. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're always, when you know, whether that's over at City Field in Queens or, you know, I was supposed to make my Yankee Stadium debut this year, and it, it still boggles my mind that I haven't been. But, you know, I was supposed to go, I was supposed to, go to four Yankee games this year. And, you know, unfortunately COVID got in the way of that. But I was, you know, whether that was seeing the Orioles in April or, you know, we were supposed to be at a Sunday night game on Mother's Day against the Red Sox, or I think the one that I'm probably most disappointed about was we were supposed to go, I think it was September 13th, we were going to be at the first Yankees-Astros game in New York since the scandal. And that's mm. not even a game where you go, that's not even a game that you go to watch, you know, the stars that you would see, like Alex Bregman or Aaron Judge. That's a game you just go solely for people watching, and you take in the atmosphere of being in, a Yankee crowd bleacher section that was going to rip the Astros apart. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. so and, and, and I'll tell you, and I didn't spend big money on that. It was like $15 ticket. So, I mean, you know, I, I, this has been a weird year for baseball and I, and I feel, and I, I, I think that was the biggest disappointment. And obviously, you know, getting to see the Red Sox and Yankees, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity given the history of the rivalry, but, Having to have seen what would have what the fanfare would have been like for the return of Houston, especially for a team that had knocked the Yankees out of the playoffs, as you unfortunately know all too well, two of the last four seasons now, I, I can't even begin to imagine the spectacle that would have been that night. Yeah, things have been things have been rough for Yankee fans as the Astros scandal has unfolded, and 
that would have been a sight to see. You mentioned the term once in a lifetime. There's only the Astros only come to Yankee Stadium one time after that cheating scandal. So uh, you you should definitely try to get your hands on tickets for next year because they still have yet to come for the first time with fans there. So you still have your opportunity. That's a good point. I think we're working on getting our SeatGeek transfers uh, ready to go, but definitely a priority on the list is is getting yeah. back to Yankee Stadium and and you're getting the uh, as you know you know the the drink with the chicken finger basket on the top of that you know it's been raved about so it's, it's definitely on my list. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to stay on Hofstra for a little bit and talk about uh, your opportunity with the women's basketball team. So uh, over at Babson, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity this fall for the first time to help out the baseball team. I was doing a little bit of catching bullpens, just hitting fungos, helping out run practice. And it was so awesome to be surrounded by the team, just be involved with the baseball activities. So uh, can you tell us just a little bit about what you do for the women's basketball team, some of your favorite parts, uh, some of your the best things that you've taken away from that, that, that experience? Yeah, totally. And first off, congrats on everything that you've done with the baseball team. Yeah, Jabson's baseball field is awesome. And, and getting involved with that team is, is, is surely a terrific opportunity that I know you, you enjoyed it through baseball past as well. You know, when I came to Hofstra, you know, like I said earlier, baseball's always been number one, center of my life, you know, the love of my life. And one of the biggest things that I, I started to learn at Hofstra is it's great to have that love of a top sport. Um, but what I've also found is, sure, you might like baseball, you might know everything about baseball, but there's a million other kids that do too. And the same can be said for football, and the same can be said for basketball. And what i found is that if you can find a passion for something outside of that, you know, I have a friend that's really into UFC, and, and he's been able to get some opportunities at the station to talk about that. You know, we, had, we have kids at the station that are really into horse racing, and, you know, they'll go out to, to Belmont and stuff like that to cover that. And I really got into women's basketball over the summer when I – so there's a girl from Oregon that graduated last year. She's down in the WNBA. Her name's Sabrina Inescu. And I loved watching her play in college. Just her, her game is so complete, and it, it's just incredible to watch her every night. And, you know, she's a, she's a Kobe Bryant product. You know, she worked a lot with him uh, during his time. And, you know, when I heard that, you know, the draft was coming up, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, where's she going to go? And I, ironic enough, you know, New York had the number one pick, and they took her. And over the summer, I was able to start covering them over Zoom, and that was what was great about the bubble is everything was over Zoom, so I was able to cover, you know, a WNBA season from my house and rent them. So that kind of got the ball rolling, and, and I knew I wanted to continue covering women's basketball because I, I love their style of play, and it's just it's, it's an awesome sport to watch, you know, the the skill the skills there and, and the drive, you know, of these ladies, you know, to, to compete every night, and it, it, they're just awesome to watch, you know, whether that's the WNBA, whether that's the college level. It's an incredible sport on the rise, and, and, I, and I love spreading the word of this growing sport. So when I got back into the school year, I knew that when women's basketball season came around, I wanted to be involved. And luckily, I was given the opportunity at our campus radio station to be their beat reporter for the upcoming season. So in terms of responsibilities that I have right now, it's obviously different. You know, I, I'm not on campus right now. In a normal season, I'd be going to practice, you know, once or twice a week, talk to players, talk to the coaches. You know, and kind of watch what they're doing in their preparations for the games. Obviously, with COVID, that's a totally different situation. So, you know, I'll, I'll meet with a coach, 
you know, once a week on Zoom, you know, we'll talk about the last games. We'll talk about what it's like to run a practice during COVID. We'll talk about, you know, their upcoming opponents, what their preparation's like. And then I'll submit, you know, a couple pages of a beat report that'll go out to our whole department and we'll eventually tweet that out so that, you know, our, our viewers can kind of tune into to what I've seen over the past few weeks and then occasionally go on our, our Hofstra sports talk show called The Locker Room on Sunday nights to discuss the team. So we're, you know, we're three games in and, you know, we got a few non-conference games left to go before the CAA schedule starts in January, but it's been a really rewarding performance so far. Uh, to work with Hofstra, you know, their, their coach, Danielle Sanchez-Atkinson, in her second year is doing great things with this program. She's awesome to talk to, and it's been a really rewarding experience to, to shift just from being a baseball guy to learn more about women's basketball at different levels of the sport, you know, whether that is through college or at the WNBA level, to, to watch, you know, these, you know, these athletes compete and, you know, to kind of grow the sport as it's on the rise has been really cool. That's a really interesting perspective about kind of not only just growing your overall just basket of uh, interest in sports, but also just kind of branching out and finding a new interest and finding a player that you uh, really like to watch play and taking that to your school. So I, I commend you for that, absolutely. And I'm, I I think that that's going to be a really good experience for you, kind of just branching out of baseball, like you said, you are a big baseball fan, but going into women's basketball, I'm sure that you're going to make a lot of really good connections, meet a lot of really good people, see some really cool things. Yeah, thanks. It's it's been fun so far, and you know I look forward to the opportunities that are going to that we're going to have ahead, and you know whether that is you know getting you know even more you know liberty involved with this with the radio station, or you know you know eventually getting back to to doing games on campus for the Hofstra team. It's a it's an opportunity I'm looking forward to, and that's, you know, one of the, the lights at the end of the tunnel in terms of, you know, getting over COVID and, and you know, really turning the corner on this pandemic as a nation. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And I want to just make another pivot, but something that I've been kind of holding off on and keeping till because it's one of the things that I want to talk to you about the most that caught my attention is your time spent in the Cape Cod League. So this summer – I'm hoping to have the opportunity to spend some time in the Cape Cod League as well. And you were with the Katuit Kettlers, and you were doing beat reporting for them. And I wanted to ask you just a little bit about your time there. First of all, I wanted to ask you about your your plans when you were there. So did you did you live in the Cape for that summer? And then other than that, um, what was your favorite parts of being there? Do you have any really cool stories, meet any really cool people? Just what was that summer like as a whole? So the cable opportunity was something that it came a little earlier than I expected. You know, going into college, I planned that the sophomore summer, well, the summer after my sophomore year, that's when I wanted to pursue an opportunity in the cable. Obviously, growing up in Massachusetts, you know, you're always around it during the summer. You know, the cable all-star game was always, you know, something that me and my dad, you know, planned our summers around uh, to go down to and, and make sure we were there for. And obviously, the thing, just another, just awful part about COVID is, was losing, you know, the 2020 case. And, you know, I had a friend of mine that goes to Elon and he was supposed to be the, the play-by-play voice of Wareham. And, you know, that got taken from him with COVID and, you know, it was having a summer without that was, was really tough. And, but what it did do was it got my mind thinking about 2021 
And so what would have been the thick of the season in 2020, I reached out to, I think, seven teams of the 10 in the Cape League in July and said, I don't know when you're taking applications. I don't know if it's now. I don't know if it's October. But, you know, when can I apply? I'd love to get in touch. And a few teams got back. And, and the first team that did get back to me was the Katuic Adeliers. And they said, hey, you know, we're still kind of looking, you know, for, you know, around stuff about 2021, but send your resume over and, and let's chat about it. So I did. And, you know, a few days later, you know, I was signed on as the beat reporter and I've been able to, you know, obviously it's limited because, you know, there's no baseball right now and there wasn't uh, ink to it in 2020, but to get to learn this organization, you know, I've gotten to talk to some cool alumni, um, some alumni that, were already in my network anyways that I didn't even realize. Uh, you know, I also coached baseball over the summer uh, at camps with RBI Academy in Foxborough, Mass. And one of the coaches that I coached was, he's also the pitching coach at Stonehill College in Easton, didn't even realize that two years ago he was, you know, a late summer call to get to it and ended up being an alum. So we were able to, to do an article about that. And now as we start to get ready for the season, now we get to get into the fun stuff. You know, our, our roster is going to get released at some point, um, which will be just as exciting for me as it will be for the Katua fans because I have no idea who's going to be on this roster. Uh, so, you know, we'll get to find out together. And, you know, we're starting to get our, our, our team ready to go. You know, our broadcasters are coming out from Georgia next year. Uh, they have a lot of baseball experience in their family, and, and I'm really looking forward to getting to work with them. And this will, you know, without baseball in 2020, this is the start of the title defense. You know, Katuits won 17 Cape titles more than any other team coming off of one in 2019 with guys like Nick Gonzalez who just went in the first round of the MLB draft this year. So getting into that is going to be really fun. Obviously, I wish I had more stories right now, but, you know, we can always do a part two after after this summer that hopefully leads to another Katuits championship. I think um, my guys in chat might have something to say about that, but I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I know that uh, – Chatham had a pretty good team in 2019. Uh, they, they just haven't been able to do it. I mean, the Cape Cod League, the amount of turnover in that league, uh, it's so tough to kind of predict who's going to be good and who's not. But uh, I'm going to ride with my guys down to Chatham. Hate to say it. There's, there's, you know, there's no issue with that. And, you know, there, it's harder to find a place, not just on the Cape, but I, I'd say across the country, to find a, a, a better place to watch a game on a southern a summer night than Veterans Field in Chatham. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah. It, it, it's yeah. a beautiful spectacle. You know, every kid has their memories of, of sitting up on that hill in the outfield, you know, just on the side of the street, taking in a, a Chatham game, you know, regardless of who they're playing. Obviously, you know, I, I think they have one of the better broadcast booths in the, in the Cape. You know, they have an awesome setup. It's a historic field on the Cape, and, you know, I, it's, it's tough to pick against that you know, for, for Cape League fans on where the best part is. You know, you, you'll have your, your loyalists over in Orleans that are, are big fans of Eldridge, but, you know, I grew up a Harwich fan, and, you know, obviously now Katsuit's in my blood as well, but I've always had a liking for Veterans Field, you know, and it was weird to, you know, go past it on, you know, family bike rides this summer and, and think about, you know, the lack of baseball there this summer. It was just so weird, but um, yeah. obviously hoping that you get into Chatham, you know, we need to we need some more guys on the Cape to uh to to add to this network, but really hoping to get that, and obviously looking forward to uh some Katuit Chatham matchups as we uh, get ready for 2021. Absolutely, regardless of what happens this summer, we'll have to 
we'll have to link up down in Katuit or down in Chatham for a game. I'm sure that would be a lot of fun. 100%. So my last question for you, I, pre- I one, I appreciate your time, you sharing these stories. It's been awesome to get to talk to you. I uh, conducted a great interview so far, but the last question I want to hear from you is just a little bit about your future. So you've talked a little bit about baseball, football, basketball. You're in journalism right now. Kind of where do you see yourself going? And if you could put yourself, if you could have an end goal, what's that end goal looking like for you right now? So it's definitely on my mind. You know, I, in the last few weeks, have kind of looked at where I'm at academically, and it looks like I'm going to be able to graduate a semester early in December of 22 compared to the original May 23. So it's on my mind a little more than usual. You know, the situation right now with where our, the pandemic is has taken opportunities from people, but it's also sparked new ones that I didn't think about. You know, I just applied for an internship with Fox Sports because they're doing it virtually, and, you know, I, I never would have had time to get out or, you know, the resources to get out to California and work at their studios out in L.A. So, you know, that was an opportunity that I didn't think about. You know, we'll see what happens with that. But I'm looking forward to, to what the next couple of years holds. Obviously, a full summer into it. Obviously, being able to cover the Liberty more. Looking forward to what this Hofstra women's basketball season holds. And if I had to think about the end goal, you know, it's something that I've gone back and forth on because there's been so many – aspects of the broadcast field that I, I've had the, the privilege to go through. And, you know, I feel like every year, you know, I, I'm finding myself enjoying a different aspect of it with a lot of passion, and I don't know which one I want to end with. You know, all throughout high school, you know, I was really big into TV production and making, you know, a, you know I was making a sports documentary, um, you know, once a year for our football team and then entering that into competitions in Massachusetts, and that was an aspect I went through. You know, we were at the same time we were hosting a weekly sports show, covering our school's sports, and you know, I, I was really into that. And then I got to Hofstra, and I haven't been on screen once. I haven't really gotten involved in our in our TV program yet with our with our sports show, the Hofstra Sports Beat. So that was a weird transition. And then you know, I find myself doing a lot of writing. That also led to the Katua job. But I also like going on radio and, and calling games and, and and doing play-by-play. I don't know if that, I don't think that's going to be my future, but I, I want to be able to do it without being awful, so that if I ever needed to with whatever network I end up going to, you know, it's one extra thing I can do. So I, it, you know, there's been so much, and I just I have to figure out, you know, what you know specific aspect of the field I want to do. If I have to tell you right now. My end goal would probably be to do what Rich Eisen is doing, which is host, you know, Monday to Friday talk show, whether that's on a streaming platform, whether that's on, you know, whatever network, and then be able to host, you know, in studio for a major pregame show like like NFL Game Day Morning on the weekends and and be able to be in studio like that. I I feel like that's where my skill set would be the best, and I feel like that's where I would be the happiest. There's going to be a lot of work to get that point. Because I think, you know, looking around the country right now, there's just so many talented broadcasters in this field. And, you know, programs like the Jim Nance World with FTAA have shown me that, uh, that across the country. And it's not just Syracuse anymore. It's not just two or three schools. Everywhere is, 
is popping out stars left and right that are going to be in this industry for a very long time. And the good thing about that is you can use that as motivation. And that's your measuring stick is, hey, you know, these kids at Arizona State are doing this or these kids at Syracuse are doing this. That's not to say that you have to, you know, set them as your standard and be, okay, well, I, you know, I'm not good because I'm not doing what they're doing. You know, that's not the case at all. You know, you can use their success to motivate you and drive you forward. But that's what I'm kind of looking at right now is knowing that whenever I do graduate from Hofstra, it's going to be a competition for a job. But, you know, as you know from your time on the field, you know, that kind of, that competition of an athlete stays with you. And, you know, you're always up for a challenge. So, you know, it may be different from, you know, competing for a Hockamock title in high school for, for baseball like it was for me. You know, but that mentality comes to now having to go get a job somewhere, regardless of the field. So I guess that's my – that's, you know, the end goal is to, is to end up hosting somewhere. I, th- I think that's what I really want to do. But uh, I know that the competition that lies ahead in terms of trying to find that job is going to be a fierce one, but one I'm really excited to pursue, and that's, you know, what you get into this business for. I think that was really well said. And last night I had the opportunity to talk to uh, one of my friends, uh, family friends, Alex Sims, who uh, is a broadcaster up in Syracuse, New York, graduated from Syracuse, and she uh, told me something that what I just – it reminded me when you said that was – uh, she said, no matter how it might seem, the competition, who you're stacking up against, you just can't give up on the dream. So if you want to end up working with Fox Sports, have your own talk show, you just need to keep that in your mind and just keep working to that until you get to that opportunity. But it sounds like you have everything where it should be. It sounds like your head's on straight. looks like uh, the world is yours. So, Tim, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your answers. It was a great conversation. And like I said, hopefully this summer we can link up down on the Cape and catch a game together. Jonathan, thanks so much for having me. Best of luck with everything that you're doing. Congrats on the success that uh, the Babson Sports Business Club has been so far. You know, really excited to keep watching what you've been able to do and uh, very much looking forward to seeing you next summer for what's hopefully a, a Kettleers win over Chatham. Absolutely. Tim, have a great day, man. You too, Jonathan. Thanks. For his age, Tim has already accrued years of knowledge regarding sports and sports journalism. He gave me some great answers, and it was a pleasure to be able to pick his brain regarding his experiences, some of which I may be embarking on myself. Tim is a great person to keep in touch with, and again, I thank him for his time. I can't wait for my next interview, and as we spoke about during the interview, I want to keep recording and keep asking questions. I love the answers I'm getting, and I can't wait to see where my journey continues to go. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Liskoff, and thank you for listening.